0: Psalm 40 and the verse 2, He brought me up also out of a horrible pit. An horrible pit is what we want to think about tonight. David was at some time in a horrible pit. Now, I don't know if he was literally in a place, a pit. I don't think we read of that anywhere in the Bible. In his experience that he was placed in, in a dungeon or a pit. I think we only read it in the Psalms. And so we're not sure if he was ever literally confined in such a place physically. He may indeed have been so. Because he was in many troubles in life. Many problems. And it may have been that he may have been incarcerated and imprisoned. But if not literally. He certainly knew something of it in his life experience, in other ways. He would have known people who'd been in pits. He may have rescued some of his own sheep that fell into such places. So he would be familiar with the literal experience of it in others. But even if he didn't have the literal experience, the physical experience of being confined in a cistern, he certainly had mentally and emotionally and spiritually equivalent experiences. That could be described by this metaphor of being in a horrible pit. So he was in horrible places. He was in difficult situations throughout his life and many, many times. The pit here is a hole in the ground dug out of rock. There would have been very many of them in the land of Israel gathered all over the country because they were dug out to store water. People there would collect the water in the rainy season and be stored underground and kept for the dry season. So these cisterns were dug for the communities uh, to retain that water. Uh, That's why there were so many of them. And the usual way of entrance into them, sometimes there are steps down to them. Uh, Sometimes it's a hole in the ground. But of course, whenever these places are empty, uh, they would have been used as places of confinement or places of imprisonment. That's what David is speaking about. And being in one of these places here, maybe one that is just a hole in the ground, if you're thrown into it or if you fall into it, you can't get out. You have to be taken out by someone else. You have to be rescued by someone from above. So that is what he has in mind. That's what he's speaking about. He's been in a pit and he's waiting patiently for the Lord, he says there in verse 1. And at last, at length, he inclines to me, he hears me, and then he, he reaches down and he, he rescues me and he, he brings me up out of the horrible pit. Now, there were some in the Bible who did have the experience, literally, in the pits, in the cisterns that we read about. And interestingly, that these people are all types of Christ. The Lord Jesus, there was Joseph. His brothers, whenever they saw Joseph coming, they said, let's slay him and cast him into a pit. Let's say some evil beast has devoured him. Now, that's not what they did do. They didn't, they didn't slay him. But they did put him into a pit for a while. They confined him in a cistern. And you remember Reuben, he was going to come back later and rescue him. But while he was away, they sold him to traders who were going down to Egypt. And they took him out, they lifted him out, and they, and they sold him. They got the silver for that. And That was a picture of Christ taken out of the pit, out of the cistern, the horrible pit, and sold and taken away. And then you remember Jeremiah. Jeremiah was cast into the dungeon. They let him down with cords. and There was no water, but it was mar, because that's what would happen. There would be mess and mar at the bottom. It wouldn't be completely dry. You wouldn't drown in it, but it would be unpleasant and damp. We read there that Jeremiah sunk. In the mar. He sunk in the mar. Maybe he was up to his knees in, in, the, in the mud. Here David is talking about the Mary clay. So he's in a cistern too. A similar kind of thing. And all of these men. Including David. Are types of the Lord Jesus Christ. Types of Messiah. And so they were in pits. And it's very likely that Messiah was in a pit. In a cistern. Because there was some time before he was seen by Caiaphas. And then there was some time also before he was brought from Caiaphas to Pilate's palace. So he had to be confined somewhere in the palace of Caiaphas. And it's known today that there are cisterns there, there are pits there, and they can actually be visited. There is one in particular that is thought may have been a dungeon wherein Christ was confined. So he may literally have been in a dungeon, in a cistern, in a pit for some time and fulfilled all, all of this, though we don't read it. It's very likely. So it physically happened to Joseph and Jeremiah and, and possibly the Lord Jesus and possibly David. Even if it didn't literally befall David physically, he did have the experience of it, a similar equivalent because it's a good picture of a horrible experience. It's a horrible thing to be imprisoned in a, in a pit. It's a restless place. It's vile and ugly. Dark. There'd be water dripping. Echoing. It, it would be such noise. There would be maybe there'd be vermin perhaps. There would be uncleanness. You could imagine different people there before. Jeremiah, I mean, they don't send someone down with a hose to clean the place out. They don't hire cleaners to clear, clean out such a place. So you can imagine what it's going to be like after weeks and weeks. You would die in one if you were there for long enough. No matter if they give you clean water and good food, you still probably wouldn't live very long in such a place. And they probably didn't feed you very well anyway if you went into such a place. You, you could very likely die in such a place. You can imagine how a man would feel in that situation. He'd be brought to despair. He wouldn't see life the way that he used to see it. There would be no brightness. His patterns of thinking would be warped completely in that, that environment. And he'd be utterly cast down. He'd be utterly depressed. Probably fighting despair. Maybe even becoming suicidal. At the hopelessness of. And if you fell into a cistern out in the wild, away from people, you wouldn't have a hope of getting out of it. Unless someone came along in the providence of God. So it's a place of of despair. Even if you went into it by accident. Or if you were put into it in malice. It would be a place of horrible depression. And so you see then why it becomes a metaphor for a dark time. A horrible time in one's life. Like being in a pit. And very often people who suffer depression. This is how they describe it. It's like being in a pit. And no way out of it. And all the talking in the world doesn't do anything. David was in such horrible places. Now I'm not speaking tonight of the pit of an unregenerate state. David could be speaking of an unregenerate state. He could be speaking of the day before he was converted. But I don't think so. He is waiting patiently for God, which is something an unregenerate man can't do. I mean, a Christian can hardly do it. He battles to do it himself, even a Christian, a believer. So so David is doing this in, in the pit. He's waiting patiently for the Lord. He's doing the right thing because he's a man of God. So he's not in an unconverted state although this can be used to preach the gospel and you can talk about the pit being a pit of an unconverted state where sinners are and where they know nothing else. they never never in from light into a pit. They were born in a pit and they don't know anything else. We're not talking of that. We're talking of someone who knew the light, had the light of the day and ended up in a pit as a believer. As someone out of the light into the pit, Such as David finds himself here. So that's what I'm talking about. All sinners are in a pit of spiritual death. And dark depravity. And they're perishing. And waiting patiently for God isn't one thing that they're doing. I can tell you. They're trying to cope in that pit. They're trying to get on in that pit. They're trying to find pleasure and joy in that pit. In fact they love the darkness. And they don't look up to the light. They don't want to know the light. They make do with what they can in the darkness of the pit. In which they are in their unconverted state. And we were all there and Jesus had to come to us and to seek us and to save us. The pit of Satan's bondage and pit of sin's slavery. Jesus Christ has rescued us and brought us out of that horrible pit of an unregenerate state. So he's delivered our soul from the lowest hell in that regard. As Zechariah says, as for thee also by the blood of thy covenant, I have sent forth thy prisoners out of the pit. Wherein is no water. So yes sinners are in a pit. A cistern. A dark cistern. Wherein there is no water. And by the blood of the covenant. They have been brought out of that. That's not the pit we are talking about. We are talking to Christians. We are speaking about the horrible pit. That believers get themselves into. That's what we are thinking about tonight. And they go into as the children of light. And they have these horrible experiences. Even though they know the Lord. And they are saved. So let's think about some horrible pits into which even Christians come. And let's think about the way out of them. What horrible pits are believers in danger of in life? There is a pit of the world. The pit of backsliding. I think the pit here and the mar and the state of this place makes us think of the world. The mess of the world. The mess of this age, such pits have a stench, they have a vileness, they have an uncleanness. And here, David's in it. The man of God's in it. Now, Christians have been brought out of the world, that's true. We have been saved and delivered from this present evil word the Bible teaches we have been redeemed from all iniquity that we may be as people as zealous of good works and be holy. But that does not mean that Christians cannot be brought into the ways of the world again and somehow find their feet going through the mire again. It can happen. And it does happen. Saints can backslide. And backsliding brings them into a horrible pit of mire, And there's darkness And it's just not as bright for them as it was when they walked with God. Christians can fall. They can fall into sin. They can fall into the ways of the world. And that's like falling into a pit. That's what it's like. Now, it won't be like when he's unconverted, when he falls into the pit. When he was unconverted, he had no light. Didn't know any better. Had no grace and no Holy Spirit. But now, if he backslides... And ends up in the pit again. He does so as one who has experienced the gospel light, knows what he's missing, knows what has gone out of his life, and he's miserable. He'll be miserable in a backslidden state. It'll be like being in a pit. It'll be a horrible experience. It'll be awful. When you go from the light and day into a pit, you feel the horror of it, you know. So the Christian isn't going to feel good in it. The way he maybe did whenever he was unconverted. It had no light and no grace. He didn't know anything else. But a Christian who backslides is miserable. He's miserable. A true Christian who backslides is in a horrible place. And he knows it. He knows he shouldn't be there. He knows it. He feels the vileness of it. And the misery in the mar. But he is there, but he won't be long there if he's a true Christian because he will get miserable and he will soon be crying unto God again out of that awful condition. Like David here, he heard my cry. Now we know that David did get into backslidden states. There was the case of Bathsheba, that horrible, wretched experience that went on for months until the word came to him and then he began to cry. He was a miserable man. Maybe that's what he's talking about here. Maybe that's the pit that he was in. Maybe Psalm 40, to some extent, goes with Psalm 51. He talks about the iniquities being more than the hairs on his head. He could be referring to a backslidden state in some respects. The Bible says, A just man falleth seven times, and riseth up again. And Micah, the prophet, he says such things as this, Don't rejoice against me, mine enemy. When I fall, I shall arise. When I sit in darkness, the Lord shall be a light unto me. I will bear the indignation of the Lord, because I have sinned against him. I've got here through my own folly. I've got here through my own sin. But the Lord won't leave me in darkness. I'll arise again. So don't rejoice against me, my enemy. The Lord will bring me out again. David is a bit like that. Possibly. He failed. He's in here in the Mary clay. He's not happy. He's miserable. And there are many in the Bible like that that we read of. Peter, who denied Christ. Was he bouncing about and whistling and skipping that night that he denied Christ? Was he a happy soul? No, he, he was miserable. Whenever the Lord looked at him and eyed him, the Lord looked at, at a miserable man. He was really unhappy. And himself. You remember Jonah? Is Jonah up on the deck of the ship. Whistling and singing. And getting on happy as he goes away from God. No, he's, he's miserable. He finds some wee hole. He goes into some wee dark corner. He tries to sleep. He's miserable. Whenever he's cast into the sea. Into the whale's belly. He's in the dark place. Could be Jonah here. Crying on to the Lord. But, but He's miserable. That's what I'm saying. And he soon starts crying unto God in his misery. Do you remember Lot? Now we know he spent a long time in Sodom. But the Bible does say he was grieved with the conversation of the wicked. He, he, He wasn't a happy man really. His soul was grieved with the filthy lifestyle. It became a horrible place to him really. And all these men were brought out eventually. Out of that state. They were made to cry. And they came out. How did they come out? Well if you get into this pit by backsliding. There's only one way out of it. And that's by retracing your steps. They brought themselves there in their folly. And their feet will have to bring them out the way they came. By repentance. And by turning again to the Lord. That's the only way out of a miserable state of backsliding. Is to turn again to the Lord. To cry unto God. By leaving the mar. By repentance and renewed faith in the Savior. I have to acknowledge congregation that much of our misery. Is really of our own making. Our backslidings reprove us. Our sins take away the peace of the Lord from us. So much of it is our own making. We leave the right path. We leave the clean path. We leave the solid path. And we begin to go astray. We cross the fence. And like lost sheep. It's not long before we fall into a hole in the ground. And into some pit. And we're left like those lost sheep. Just crying and bleeding. So our darkness. Our sadness. Our lack of peace. Very often. Is for our own sins. For our own backslidings. What does the Bible say? Thine own wickedness shall correct thee. And thy backslidings shall reprove thee. They are enough to afflict you. They are enough to chasten you. Therefore know that it is an evil thing. And better to forget God. To forsake the Lord. To backslide. It's a bitter thing. It's an evil thing. It's a miserable thing. It brings you into a miserable, horrible pit. And every backslider knows that. And the Lord says to such people, Return ye backsliding children, and I will heal your backslidings. The Bible says, Therefore shall they eat the fruit of their own way, and be filled with their own devices. And that's true of backsliders. O Israel, return unto the Lord thy God, for thou hast fallen into the horrible pit, but you've fallen into the horrible pit by your own iniquity. And the answer is to return unto the Lord, to ask the Lord for forgiveness, to say, Lord, I'm sorry, and have mercy upon me, and forgive me, and cleanse me, and restore me again, and give me the joy of thy salvation. And the Lord will hear your cry. You might have to wait patiently for a little while. Because it's part of the chastening. But the Lord will hear your cry. And if you're truly repentant. At length he will incline to you. And he will bring you up again. And restore you to the fellowship. He will abundantly pardon us though. If we cry unto him. He will give us a new song again. He'll give us a rejoicing again. We'll be established in our goings again. We'll be in the light of day again. And to other cold and half-backslidden saints, you'll become a real encouragement to them. Many shall see it and fear and be revived and restored and trust in the Lord too. Good can come out of backsliders being restored. Are Christians being revived and revigorated again by the Lord and they become vibrant for God, they can become shining lights again in the church and encourage other saints who are maybe in such places too. And there might be more Christians in these places than we think. I think there are a lot of miserable Christians today. Could this be the real reason that they're really not walking with God? So uh, I'm speaking of spiritual decays however it's not the only pit there is a pit of strife and outward trial and afflictions something from without the pit of backsliding is something from within really isn't it i grant that there could be external temptations and satan and devices and the christian's not using the god-appointed means not using those things to happen so there could be external factors But it's really from within we get ourselves into the pit. But now I'm talking about a pit where we're taken and put into it. By external forces. By something from without. In the providence of God. I'm talking of a violence from without. That casts us into a pit of despondency. There are things that can rob us of our light and of our joy. And can put us into very dark places as well. Even when it's not our own folly. And really, whenever we talk about Joseph and Jeremiah, that's what we're talking about. It wasn't Joseph's sin that got him into the pit. It was the sin of others that got him into the pit. It wasn't the sin of Jeremiah that got him into the pit. He was faithful. It was the sin of others that got him into the pit. There were others who took him and put him in the pit. They threw him in the pit. So there was the force from without that puts us in the horrible place. So there are those kinds of pits as well. And our Savior was in the pit. He certainly had no sin. And he wasn't in the pit for any backsliding. He was put there by force. And in the providence of his heavenly Father. From without. And he went through the experience in the pit. Without sin. So Christians can be brought. Pulled. Dragged. Forced into the darkness. And can hardly oppose it. And resist it. And they can't prevent it. And they struggle not to sink under it. And not to go deeper into the horrible mire into which they've been cast. You can be brought to a place where everything looks black and bleak. Christians get depressed, you know. Some can be driven almost to despair and at their wit's end. And this is what David means by being in a horrible pit. Nearly been driven out of his mind. It's an awful place. Now I know that God can and does give comfort in the midst of the storm. I can't deny that. And that that's in the Bible revealed. But he can also withhold his comfort too. And let us have the experience of the horrible pit. Where we have to just wait patiently for him. The help, the deliverance, the aid does not always come quickly. So the help's not always at hand. The misery is, is not always relieved straight away. And so these external forces can take many forms. Trials can come in many different ways, brethren and sisters. Very often from Satan himself and from the devices that Satan uses. Usually people, ungodly people. That's what happened to Joseph. Wasn't it his brethren? His own brethren. They did that to him. Put him into a pit. Jeremiah, it was the royal house, the royal servants, the palace people put Jeremiah in the pit. And the Lord Jesus, it was the religious leaders, his fellow countrymen put him into the pit. And David was in many pits. He was in the pit because of Saul on many occasions. He was in the pit because of the ungodly. He was in the pit because of his own son, his own family. Absalom, his own brothers at times didn't make his life easy. You don't experience ease whenever all these problems come in on your life. Family problems, persecution, trials. They're hard to bear. They take away the light and they bring depression into your mind and heart. They form a darkness around you. You don't see things right. They become the everything and all that engulfs your mind and there doesn't seem to be hardly anything else in life. It just surrounds you and it even seems to enclose you. It seems to be the only thing. And it's very hard to bear. It might be bereavement, the loss of a loved one. We all know how terrible that is. It might be trials on loved ones. It might not even be on yourself. It could be a trial on a loved one. And, and you have a loved one suffering And sometimes that can be as painful. Maybe more so. Because you're suffering with them. You would maybe rather suffer it for them. You would rather you, you were the one bearing it for them. And yet you cannot. And you see that it encloses them. And as it encloses them it encloses you. And yet you are no comfort to them. Though you are enclosed too. So It mightn't even be directly on you, but because of your relationship to someone, you you bear the, the darkness of that. The whole family can be in a pit. Someone gets a trouble in the family, the whole house goes in, don't they, really? It should really be like that in the church too, shouldn't it? If one of us go into a pit, we should all feel like we're all going into it. Because when one suffers we should all suffer. That's what communion is, brethren and sisters, isn't it? That's what fellowship is. It's not just fellowship and everything's bright and rosy and we're on the mountaintop singing here the hymns. But there's a fellowship of the sufferings too. It might be a malady of the body, sickness, a disease, a weakness in the frame. It might be a malady of the mind too, brethren and sisters, because remember there are diseases of the mind. Whenever someone's personality changes and they become rather dark and bleak, it could be a simple thing like a gland. It could be a tumor in their head, brain or some part of their body. It can really affect your mind. People's personality can change through physical maladies. And mental illness, brothers and sisters, is more common than we think. It really is. In fact, I'm of the opinion that we're all mentally ill. Really? To some extent, to a greater or lesser degree. It's all a result of sin. So, there are diseases of the mind. Mental illness. And things like that. And we can't get out of these pits. We have to bear them. We can repent and seek the Lord. But there's more than backsliding here very often. God has to rescue us. God has to come and deliver us either by taking us out of that pit which sometimes he does do or which is sometimes the case as well just coming and being with us upholding us keeping us assisting us pouring in the grace through the word and through the fellowship that just keeps our head above the water in it all and lets a little ray of light into our hearts God doesn't let us sink in it all. He gives illumination when we wait upon Him. That's what we have to do. with the wait upon Him. I waited patiently. So the, the externals that brought us there may all continue. But He provides Himself as a rock in a weary land in the pit where you get that refuge. That shelter. That's shit. To uphold us and sustain us. Like Psalm 3 that we looked at. You know David he said many many are against me. He's in the pit. But he could still sleep. And he awaked. The problem hadn't gone away just yet. It was still the same. But he says I awaked the Lord sustain me. He held me up. And the Lord does give grace, brethren and sisters, even if He doesn't take you out of the pit and change the whole circumstance. He gives you His presence, His word. You can look for that, you can seek that, you can cry for that. And He does give that. He does give that. The last pit, very quickly, is the pit of death. Death in the Bible is a pit, death with all its horror. We all have to make our descent into that, don't we? The dark valley, the dark pit. It's not easy. It's horrible. Now, I'm not exaggerating here when I say death is a pit. I'm just using what the Bible language. You'll see it very often that death is called a pit in the Bible. What profit is there in my blood when I go down to the pit? Shall the dust praise thee? He's not talking about hell. Samus isn't going to go to hell. But he's going to go to the pit. Death is horrible. It really is horrible. It's a land of darkness. Lord, thou hast brought up my soul from the grave. Thou hast kept me alive that I should not go down to the pit. Let not the water overflow me. Neither let the deep swallow me up. And let not the pit shut her mouth upon me. He's speaking about death, being enclosed by death and never coming out of it again. So we all have the pit to face, the pit, pit of death. We have to descend into it. But we know it's not the end, bless God. It wasn't the end for Christ. I said that Psalm 3 is a, is, is a resurrection psalm. I laid me down and slept. I awaked. The Lord sustained me. Psalm 40 has perhaps that idea as well. It's messianic. Christ says, I'll declare your name amongst the congregation. I preach righteousness to the people. A body have you prepared me. Though I come in the volume of the book, it's written of me. It is messianic. And there are those different layers of it that we can look at. You know, David's life. Christ's life. The church's life, but the Lord Jesus Christ went into the pit of death. His body lay in the tomb in the darkness. Yes, his spirit was with his heavenly Father, we know that. But it's a state of disembodiment. It's not a perfect state, it's not a joyful state, it's not a right, proper state. The body's in a pit. But he, he rose again. He, he came up again. He entered into the day light of life again. That resurrection Lord's Day morning when he came forth up out of the tomb. He came up out of the horrible place to declare God unto the church. We will die. When we die, the souls of the departed go to heaven as we know. But that's not the end. That's not the finality. The finality is the resurrection day. The being joined again with the body. And the coming forth out of of that horrible pit. Death. That's the finality. That's the climax. The souls of the departed. They are patiently waiting for that day. They know that's. It's not the day of perfection yet for them. It's not the day of redemption yet. They're in peace in heaven as souls. But they're they're waiting. The reunion with their body. And the resurrection morning. And coming out of the pit. And the resurrection day shall release saints from the pit of death. So yes we have this pit to go into. As far as our body is concerned. But in that dawn of a new day having patiently waited for the Lord until the resurrection day. In that dawning of the new day, the saints will come forth with a new song. A new song in a new heavens and a new earth. A song fitting for the new heavens and the new earth. And we shall praise God forever and ever. And there shall be no more pits. No more horrors. No more Mary Clay only love, only life, only joy. Only with Christ forever and ever. Feet firmly fixed upon the rock forever and ever. Without any possibility of a horrible pet again. Ever being in the experience of a sin. So that last awful pet... Even out of that also the Lord shall take his people on the resurrection morn. For all that are in the grave shall hear the voice of the Son of God and shall come forth and live. So these are several of the pits, the horrible pits that we as Christians may face. Probably we shall have them all to go through. I would say, and have been through them all except death. But that too we will have to go into too soon. But the Lord is our light and our salvation. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him.